Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, a show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Band of Brothers. episode. Lots to talk about here. First and foremost, so the vast majority of this episode centers around Easy Company trying to take this town called Carrington. Namesake of the episode. Also, I'm almost certainly mispronouncing that, but this is the best I can do. I'm gonna say Carrington. I'm sure there's a different way to say it that's better. Whatever, it's a whole thing. Save your messages. Save your calls. <laughs> I know I am probably mispronouncing this. But, Easy Company is trying to take this because it is a very strategic location. It's a very vital area that's currently under German occupation. So, of course, America wants it because that's how war works. So, what we get from this storyline is two very lengthy, fantastic battles that are very much the focal points of this episode. Uh, Both of them are really well done. Both of them are very drawn out, uh, very matter of fact, uh, very uncinematic, uh, very much the style of war sequences in Band of Brothers we have seen so far. Uh, the first one is the initial assault on Carrington. Easy Company goes in with a couple other platoons, a couple other groups. They go in. They get in this brawl. They get in this gunfight. Uh, and it's this huge back and forth. 
that lasts so long and just keep it, it's like watching a freaking tennis match and the ball goes from one side to the other 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 uh first the americans are kind of pinned down by these giant turrets in the freaking windows uh then they take those out and they're getting a leg up on the germans and they're capturing all these buildings uh, then frickin', uh, some, like, explosions start happening. Germans start throwing explosives into the mix and blowing shit up every which way. Uh, people are getting caught in explosions. People are getting legs blown off. People are getting caught in buildings as they explode. Uh, and it's just absolutely horrific. Uh, and then the Americans are able to drive... Uh, the Germans off, and it's this big, drawn-out, really, really incredible, very well-paced, very well-crafted, uh, very well, very well-portrayed, very well-helmed battle. Uh, that is absolutely incredible. Uh, my one gripe with this sequence is they do have moments where sort of dirt and blood and shit gets on the camera, which I hate. That is like a pet peeve of mine. It always has been. But other than that, it's amazing. Other than that, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and then we get the counterattack. The Americans start sort of prepping for the inevitable German pushback. It comes sooner than expected. And literally, as they're trying to prep said counterattack, uh, the Germans do their counterattack. And there's this initial ambush, but after it, it all settles. And what you get is, at night, basically this stalemate. Basically this little waiting game where Americans are on one side in their little hole. Uh, Germans are on their side in their little hole. They're each in their individual trenches. Very much World War One style. And they're just sort of waiting for for the other person to make a move. They're both sort of waiting uh, for the other person to blink, essentially. And you get, like, some solid moments. Like, it's kind of calm. It's kind of reserved. Like, it's kind of like this. Okay, maybe relax a little. But not really, because the entire time there's that tension of, like, any moment the Germans could decide... Ah, screw this, and start shooting. Any moment they could do that. Any moment they could make that decision. And what you get is this tension, this paranoia, uh, that's so palpable and so well portrayed. Uh, at one point, <laughs> this dude's buddy comes along and is like, Hey, hey, uh... Uh, you were asleep, and now I'm waking you up. It, it's your turn to take watch. But the dude, in his, like, little stupor, in his panicked, half-asleep stupor, is like, Ah, German! And then just stabs him with a freaking bayonet. <laughs> and the dude's just screaming, Hey! It's me! Manic! Why'd you stab me? Ah! And it's like, it's kind of this moment of, like, dark humor. Almost. Like, on the one hand, it is a very horrifying moment because this dude just realized he stabbed his friend and you're also reminded of just how paranoid everyone is. 
But on the other, it's kind of funny. <laughs> like, the dude just stabbed his friend accidentally. Like, that's... <laughs> he lived. It was fine. <laughs> he lived, and it ended up being a punchline later on in the show. But eventually, of course, shots start getting fired. Uh, literally, the Americans are planning to start shooting when the Germans start shooting. So it was gonna go like this one way or the other. But the Germans fired first bullets. And it's this epic confrontation. It's this epic shootout uh, that, again, is really well hound. Uh, much in the style of the other sequences here, very drawn out, very uh, tense, very brilliant, very uncinematic, very reserved, uh, and it's incredibly, incredibly well handled. Uh, at one point, they bring in freaking tanks. Like, there's a solid five, ten minutes where Germans are just kicking the Americans' asses with a freaking tank. And I mean, yeah, the Americans have RPGs, they're using those, but... They can only do so much. Eventually, the Americans bring in tanks of their own. And you get a literal tank battle. And it's awesome. Uh, but eventually, the Germans are driven back. And Carrington is officially in the hands of the Allied forces. Uh, so those are the two main battles of the episode that really, really stick with you. I do want to talk for a second, though, about Blythe. Because this dude has such an amazing arc in this freaking episode. Assassino, you spoilering asshole. <sighs> so, my brother, as you almost certainly just heard, just opened the door and gave out an assassino. He says I spoiled Assassin's Creed 3 for him, but really I didn't. I just... Hinted at a possible thing, and then he figured it out on his own. I didn't actually spoil it, and you just nuked a recording because of that, asshole. Anyway, so Blythe. This dude's arc is incredible. Uh, so we see him at the beginning of this episode. And he sort of trickles in among all the reunions. More of Easy Company starts to reunite. Uh, certain characters start to trickle back in. Certain people start to come back to the fold. And Blythe is among them. Blythe is among those people who sort of trickles back in. And he spends a lot of this episode very jumpy. He's eager... But jumpy. And you're not entirely sure why he's so jumpy. Well, okay. You know why he's so jumpy. He's in the middle of a freaking war. But. Like, you don't know. How. It, it, to what extent he's on edge. You don't know. How much. Like, you don't have a lot of context beyond he's in a freaking war. But then the episode goes on, he gets that one bout of hysterical blindness, where he's just so freaking, like, afraid, his mind just, like, shuts off his eyes or whatever, and he's, like, blind for two seconds, which was super weird. 
But then he gets out of that. Uh, and as they're in the trenches, and as uh, this whole stabby-stab friendo thing is happening, Blythe tells this one dude the story of what he did when he touched down on D-Day. When he touched down on D-Day, he basically hid in a ditch for a, for a while. Like, he didn't do anything. He was just in a ditch, and then eventually he came out, and then eventually he made his way back to Easy Company, and that's why he kind of has this mixture of eagerness and fear. This eagerness and jumpiness. Like, that mixture, now you kind of have more context for that because of that story. And the other dude literally says, hey, look, you're already dead. Accept it. And then you'll be able to function the way a soldier should. Which, Jesus Christ, there's so much to unpack there. Uh, I'll let that speak for itself because... Good God. Uh, there's a lot of <laughs> dehumanization of the soldier crap to dissect from that. But if I actually did that, we've, we'd be spending like five hours on just this one line. So I'll leave that there. We don't need to spend all that much time on that line. Uh, just know it is super effed up, that sentiment. That sentiment is, uh, it's not great. It's a reality, <laughs> uh, but it does not have great connotations there, morally speaking. Uh, and eventually, when the Germans start shooting in that counterattack, Blythe literally climbs into a hole and just starts screaming. And eventually, other soldiers are like, hey, hey, get out of here. Get out of the hole. Uh, do your job. Point your gun at the enemy. Start shooting. Let him have it. And then he does. He gets out of the hole, starts shooting, uh, swallows his fear, and just goes freaking nuts. Uh, in fact, he actually fires the last shot of the battle, essentially. Or at least the last shot we really make a big deal out of. Like, he just shoots some random German dude. From a ways away. It is badass. And then after that, he sort of comes into his own more. After that, he's sort of more used to his fear. He's sort of more used to the life or death situations. To the point where sometime later, like a couple weeks later, when we're at D-Day plus 25... They're going to go into a farmhouse. They're going to search this farmhouse because uh, they think there's some German. In, b -b 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 they think there's some Germans in there. And Blythe's like, okay, I volunteer and I'm lead on this. So he goes in, in front of everyone else. And immediately gets shot by a sniper. Right in the neck. Oh. Oh, Blythe. Blythe, why? You were too good for this world. Like, it, it was so heartbreaking to see Blythe, like, finally come into his own. Uh, finally able to balance out his fear with his duty. 
uh, finally be able to operate at peak soldieriness, if that's a word. And then just get the next time we see him, he gets just, just, he just gets shot immediately. Like it's the most unfair thing ever. Like it's heartbreaking. It really, really is. Uh, and he goes into the hospital. Like, with these wounds, like, he's still alive, thankfully, but, unfortunately, we see in that little ending blurb, Blythe never recovered from his injuries, Blythe never recovered from his wounds, he died in 1948. So, four years after this happened, he died. (sighs) Yeah, uh... Man, that is a tragedy. Like, this episode is a straight-up tragedy. The tragedy of Blythe. Uh, it's just so goddamn heartbreaking, and it's handled so, so perfectly. Like, this is probably the biggest gut punch this show has delivered yet. Uh, and then that ending is freaking beautiful. Like, it is poetry at its finest. Uh, where everyone's celebrating, like, yeah, we're going back to England, we're gonna go away from the front lines, everything's gonna be amazing, woo! Uh, and then one of the higher-ranking officers steps up and is like, hey, so, um, we're going back into France, um, we are not going back to England, we are going back into the fight immediately. Sorry? And, like, immediately, like, everyone was happy, everyone was having a good time, everyone was in high spirits, making jokes, like, doing all that celebration stuff, and then immediately, like, the room just got very quiet and somber, like, oh. 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 And then, you see Malarkey go in to get laundry before shipping back out. And this woman starts talking about all the people who never got their laundry. Who never picked up said laundry. And you know, judging by the look on Malarkey's face, every single one of these names she reads out are the names of people who have either been wounded and are still in the hospital or flat out died. There are a lot of names, and every single name, with every name, your heart just sinks further and further and further and further. Uh, And then finally, she gets to Blythe, and you see a close-up of his name on his, like, laundry package, and... And that's the end of the episode, and then they're like, oh, the... By the time Easy Company pulled out, uh, they had lost, like, 65 men or whatever. It is so heartbreaking. Like, it's such a heartbreaking moment uh, where you really do understand the gravity of, like, just how many people were lost. Just how many lives were taken. Just how much of a toll... This war took on um, the people who went there. It's 
it's incredible. It's a really, really incredible ending, and I love everything about it. Uh, so yeah, continuing to love this show on my first watch-through. Uh, I'm continuing to be really, really impressed by it in pretty much every possible way. Uh, and we got more coming, so look forward to that. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's the simplest, just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time. If you feel so inclined to send those in. See, I flubbed a little, but then I saved it. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing episode four. Talk to you then.